Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. <laughs> Good stuff, right? Yeah. So welcome to a brand new series of messages called Me and My Big Mouth. Now, once in a while, uh, I come across some content that I just love. I, I, I don't just preach sermons. I listen to them. I love I love preaching. I love, uh, I love researching. I love the craft. So I, first of all, not only do I need to be fed, so I listen to uh, what other people say sometimes, but I'm always trying to get better at what I do. So I listen to, to people that uh, I think are better than me at what they do so I can get better. And once in a while, I come across a message that is so good, I just say, I can't say it any better than that. So that's what I'm doing with this message series. Today and for the next four weeks, I'm going to be bringing you some content that uh, was first uh, brought to us by a preacher named Andy Stanley. So if you ever hear a guy named Andy Stanley preaching a message called Me and My Big Mouth, you might be tempted to think, hey, that dude ripped off Pastor Bird. It's not cool. That's not what happened. I'm ripping him off. So that's just letting you know. Okay, so a uh, sermon series is called Me and My Big Mouth, and uh, we don't, we've never done this before, but I'm going to ask all of us to say the name of the series out loud together. One, two, three, me and my big mouth. Not bad. One more time, a little louder. One, two, three, me and my big, yeah, me and my big mouth. Because this sermon series is not about your husband and his big mouth. Or your wife and her big mouth. Or your kids and their big mouth. Or your in-laws or your boss or your cousin or your neighbor. This is about you and your big mouth and me and my big mouth. And this sermon series, this is the first, this sermon series comes with hand motions because our calling is to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So we're going to do it like this, quick to listen, slow to speak. Everybody make a fist with your right hand and do this with me, quick to listen, slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to speak. It's not easy to be quick to listen and slow to speak because most of the time, when we're in an argument with somebody, if we're in a conflict with somebody, what we want most is to be heard. If we're in an argument with somebody, we're in a conflict with somebody, what we want most is to be heard. We want the other person to hear us. We want the other person to understand us. We want the other person to catch what we're saying. And the more the other person talks, the less likely they are to hear what we're saying. So in an argument or a conflict, we don't really want the other person to talk. We just want them to listen to the brilliance of our point and then go, wow, you're brilliant. You're right. Whoa. Unfortunately, that rarely happens. So what, what occurs is each party wants the other person to understand them. Everybody is seeking to be understood. Everybody is trying to make sure the other person sees the right and righteousness of their cause. And what happens is, when both parties are in that posture, no one's listening. There's no real discourse happening. There's no real connection happening, and nobody's learning anything. We're called to operate differently. We are called to be quick to listen, quick to listen, slow to speak, to actually 
hear what the other person is saying. Now, that quick to listen, slow to speak thing, that was first written in the scriptures by a guy named James. Now, if you have a good memory, you may remember last fall, we went through the book of James and we came across this verse. I knew then I wanted to come back and camp out on it because there's a lot in it. James, if you weren't here for that series, was the biological brother of Jesus. It's Jesus' younger brother. And after Jesus, we, we get a lot of this stuff. This is really cool. What I'm about to tell you isn't from the Bible. It's actually from Jewish historians who lived uh, in that part of the world around this time. After Jesus ascends to heaven, James becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Seems like a good thing for Jesus' brother to do. He's leading the church in Jerusalem. And the Jewish high priests still hate his guts. Now there's a Roman governor whose name is Festus. Festus dies. And he is replaced by another Roman governor whose name is Albinus. And during the interim, after Festus dies and before Albinus arrives in the city, the Jewish high priest, a guy by the name of Ananus, had James executed. He had James, they stoned him to death. That means they threw stones at him until he died. Now, we learned just on our Good Friday service that it's illegal for the Jewish high priests to arrange an execution. So when Albinus finally took over as the new Roman governor, he had the high priest removed and punished, but it was too late. James died a martyr, and he died because he believed his brother was his savior. He died believing that when he opened his eyes on the other side, he would see his brother. And what a reunion that must have been. James writes to us, be quick to listen and slow to speak. In fact, let's read the verse. This is James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, I want to point out something unusual. He opens, he opens the verse and says, my dear brothers and sisters. Don't sleep on that word, sisters. Women were considered in the first century, I mean, it's still like this in some parts of the world. It's ridiculous, but women in the first century weren't taken seriously at all. They were second-class citizens. In point of fact, nobody in the church who was female would have been able to read what James was writing. Women were just nearly universally illiterate at that time. So for James, nobody would have blinked if James had, had written, my dear brothers, and this letter was to be circulated among the people. James intentionally writes, my dear brothers and sisters, because what Jesus did elevates the place of women like throughout history and throughout the region. This is a big deal. My dear brothers and sisters, because we're all equal. We must, all of us, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, how can you be quick to listen. How can you listen quickly? You can't. You can't speed up the rate at which you hear something, right? You ever, you ever, you ever wanted to fast forward somebody? Like just, zzz, you know what I'm talking about? Like somebody's talking and talking and talking, you just, zzz, like you want to, some of you are looking at me like, yeah, you, we would love to fast forward you, dude. I, I'll be over soon enough. Okay, so, like, sometimes you want to do, you, but you can't, you can't listen quickly. So what does James mean? What he means is, 
When it comes to listening, show up early. And when it comes to talking, be late. Show up early to listen and be late to say anything. For that to happen, you need something which is in incredibly short supply these days. You need curiosity. You need to become curious about what another person thinks. And that is not a normal thing for people these days to, to, to be. People aren't curious about what other people think. We think we know what everybody else thinks. And we're so certain we're right and they're wrong, we've already written off the entire worldview of the person on the other side of the argument. We've summed it up and, got, and concluded that this person must be an idiot or a lunatic to think the way they do. We know what they think and we're right, so we don't ever ask any questions. And when you're in an argument, you don't want to ask questions because you don't want the other person to talk. And you know, if I ask a question, they're just going to keep talking. Yeah, somebody like, like, like you know, if you ask them a question, they're just going to keep talking. Don't ask them one question. Ask them three. Get them talking. You know why? Because if they talk and if they keep talking, you might actually learn something. You could learn something from their point of view. You walk through life, listen now, you walk through life thinking, I know, I'm right, I got it down, I know what I know, and I'm sure about these, these things, I've, I've done my homework, and I'm right, thank you very much, and if you don't agree with me, then you're just on the, you're on the wrong side of right, you're just out there somewhere in space, floating around in wrong world, and I don't really have anything to learn from you. Listen, you can't afford to go through life that arrogant. You can't afford to go through life that arrogant. You just can't. You need to become curious, to listen to what other people have to say. If you don't, your arguments will simply become power struggles. You won't, there won't be any discourse. You, nobody will learn anything. You, it'll just be a matter of who's more articulate and who's more persuasive, and it will become an exercise in frustration. This happens often in Families where power dynamics shift, particularly between parents and their children. Students in the room, listen to me. College students, high school students, middle school students, listen up. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you. You're going to need to tuck it away for like three months so that your parents forget that you heard it here. In three months, your parents will forget what I'm about to say. You make a note of this and tuck it away. The next time you're in an argument with your mother or father, say this. Mom, Dad, I don't see things the way you see them, but I know that you're a smart person and I want to understand the way you see it. Help me understand the way you see it. Your parents will pass out. <laughs> They'll just be rendered unconscious. You, you, your father will just go, and he'll, you'll have to wave a towel like, Dad, wake up, it's okay. Like, they won't know what to do with you. You, 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 will, you, you will dumbfound your parents with that. You, they'll, they'll, just, they'll just go, wait, what? I don't, you, yeah, he's leaving, he didn't believe me. No, it, it, it works, bro. So, like, you, you know, you talk to your, like, say this. I, 
I don't see things the way you see them. But I know that you're a smart person. Help me understand the way you see things. Parents, aren't you waiting for your child to say something like that to you? Yeah, and guess what? Your child is waiting to hear those words from you as well. Honey, I don't see things the way you see them, but I think you're a smart person. Help me understand the way you see things. It's so hard to do that when you're locked in a power struggle. And you know this already, but most of the time when you're arguing, you're not arguing about what you're arguing about. There's an argument beneath the argument, and it has to do with power dynamics. And in a parent-child relationship, you have most of the power. Right? You have age, and you have wisdom, and you have the money, and it's your house or your apartment or whatever, and they're living under your roof. And so you have all this, you have all these different like buckets you can draw from. You have all this stuff you can sling, and they don't even have like, like prefrontal lobe development yet. <laughs> and if you're, if you're young, I mean, like, I'm not trying to get up in your face, but listen to me. Your prefrontal cortex doesn't finish developing until you're like 25. Now I know, you're 22 and you think you know everything. You will, this is not a if, you will see the world differently in a few years as your brain continues to develop. Your parents are already there. They see things differently than you. You could learn something from them. Parents, you could learn something from your children. But nobody's going to learn anything if all we ever care about is being right. Learn that sentence. I don't see things the way you see them. But I think you're a smart person and I'd love to learn. Help me learn. You've got to replace the anger with curiosity. When we're in conflict, we get angry. We come up over the top of each other. Tempers flare and we just want to be seen as being right. We want everybody to know that we're right. And you can do a lot of damage to the relationships in your life that way. Because here's the deal, team. Everything somebody does makes sense to them. Everything a person does makes sense to them. Everything a person says makes sense to them. But we're in this place in time and history where particularly along, along political lines, if you're of a different voting party or a different political ideology, the people across the aisle from you have a tendency to think, I don't understand how anybody could think like that. I just don't know how anybody could conclude that and not be just insane. I don't know how they can think like that. And the problem is right there in the first three words of what you said. I don't know. You don't know. So stop acting, dad's in the room, I'm looking at you. Stop acting like you know everything. You can't afford to go through life that arrogant. You could learn from anyone. You can learn from anyone on this planet. And if you don't learn to replace the anger with curiosity, you never will. Learn to say that. I don't know. You know, I see things differently. I don't know how they could see things that way. I don't quite get that. But it would be great to learn because I think there are probably some smart people on the other side of this political gap that we're, we're, we're trying to, 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 to cross. And maybe it would be good if I learned how they think and, and what's going on. 
because, so be quick to listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because, I know what some of you are thinking, you're like, yeah, this is good, this is really good, I'll be slow to speak, I'll slow it down, I'll slow it down, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, and then when they're done talking, then I'll hit them with a zinger, bam, that's a brilliant strategy, this is good. This is actually useful. I'll just wait and wait and wait, and then I'll just drop knowledge as soon as they're done. I'll just drop the mic and be like, yeah, buddy, now you know how right I am. Have a great day. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. No. No, James actually says something different. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because, verse 20, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Mm. Well, here we are in a totally different book of the Bible than the Gospel of John, and we're right back on this right versus righteousness dichotomy, aren't we? That kind of stuff, that kind of rightness, that kind of arrogance, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. You can be right, but not be righteous. You got the wrong right. You got the wrong right. Oh, you're right about what you say? Congratulations. You can write your son or daughter right out the door. I've seen it happen. I don't mean W-R-I-T-E, I'm talking R-I-G-H-T. You can write your child right out the door. I'm right, you got your flag in the ground, you're pounding your pulpit, and you're right. Whether it's a son or daughter relationship, this happens with brothers and sisters, this happens in marriages, it happens in offices, it happens all over the place where people don't know enough to replace anger with curiosity. Where people walk in that kind of arrogance and just insist that they're right. You can write somebody right out the door. Congratulations. You won the battle and you lost the war. You were right, but you were not righteous. You weren't. You got the wrong right. If you don't hear anything else I'm going to say today, you got to hear this. We want to be right at each other. We want to be right at somebody. I want you to, I'm going to be so right that it comes at you. We were not called to be right at one another. We were called to be right with one another. We were called to be right with one another. Don't settle for being right at someone. Be right with someone. And to be right with somebody, you've got to replace the anger with curiosity and learn to say, I don't see things the way you see them. Help me understand why you see things that way. To take off, to kick to the curb that anger that comes up in us, that arrogance that comes up in us. James continues. So get rid of, verse 21, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts. Now, we don't think, people who are right, who are, who are just, you know, arrogant and, and think their way is the only way, they don't perceive themselves to be filthy and evil. That's not something anybody ever thinks about themselves. So let's replace the word. I think a good substitute here for filth and evil would be malice. 
get rid of the malice that comes up in you, that, that, that anger, that disdain, that, that, that arrogant way that you look at others who don't see things the way you see them. That's got to go. Get rid of, take that stuff off like a jacket that you've put on. Take it off. That doesn't produce the kind of righteousness that God desires. Kick that stuff to the curb and humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Replace the anger with curiosity. Because you can't afford to walk through life that arrogant. And you could learn from anybody. Don't settle for being right. Be righteous. Never be right at somebody. Be right with somebody. Don't settle. Let's leave it here. Don't settle for being right. Make it right. Don't settle for being right. Make it right with that person. And you will learn to walk in the humility that God intended us to walk in as he modeled it by his sacrifice on our behalf on the cross. And we'll pick it up right from here next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful, but we need help with this. We just need help with this. This is difficult. We all have strong feelings about things. We want to be right, and we think we are right about certain things, and we just can't understand why nobody else sees it the way we see it. And we need to just take a dose of humility. We need to learn to replace our anger with curiosity, and we're going to need your help to do this. So, Father, will you quicken in each of our hearts a desire to listen, that we could show up early to listen and be late to say anything. And if at times we find ourselves at odds with someone, we're praying that we might find it within ourselves to walk in humility and seek to learn, to be righteous as well as potentially being right. And Father, to never settle for being right but that we might make it our aim to make it right. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.